This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right, well, tonight we're going to be talking about this, about how to treat an enemy. All right, how to treat an enemy. And I don't know, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I know I'm, I'm, I'm just going to venture to guess. You don't have an enemy, but maybe someone that isn't your best friend. Maybe someone that isn't just on the top of your list of people you would like to be around. And, uh, and, and the, the fact of the matter is this, is that Jesus told us we've got two commandments as a New Testament Christian. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and to love thy neighbor as thyself. And he said all the, all of the Old Testament, all the Ten Commandments, it can all be summed up and broken down and condensed into these two commands. Love God. And love people. Now, I don't have a lot of trouble loving God because he's awesome. He's never done anything against me. He's never done anything wrong to me. God's been perfect to me. But it is a little bit challenging sometimes to love other people. Has anybody else noticed that? That there are some people, amen, that are not always the easiest to love. Sometimes you find them at work. Sometimes you even find them in your own home. Does anybody ever been? Okay, don't All right. And uh, what I'm saying is this, is that you need to recognize that it is really important, really important that we learn how to handle situations in the love of God. Because Jesus, he came up on the scene. And, you know, in the Old Testament, the law of Moses said, an eye for an eye. Someone pokes your eye. Poke their eye, make it fair. Someone slaps you on one cheek, you slap their cheek, make it fair. But then Jesus comes in and says, I'm not interested in being fair. Jesus said, I'm telling you this, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other cheek also. If someone commands that, you know, if a soldier comes up and demands that you carry their gear for a mile, don't do that. Carry it for two miles. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, this is we've heard these things. So we're like, yeah, everyone knows that. Well, when Jesus came and told the disciples that that was some earth shaking news. I've got to forgive people. Back in the day, we could just make it fair. They hurt me, so I hurt them back. I mean, I don't I don't go beyond that, but I'm allowed to do exactly to them what they did to me. And Jesus said, no, that's not the law anymore. The new law is love your neighbor as yourself. Forgive people that do wrong to you. Go the extra mile. Turn the other cheek. And that's that's just goes against everything that's within our nature. Nobody feels like being nice to somebody that's been mean to them. But if you want to see results in your life, if you want to see your life turn around, you we better start doing it the way that Jesus said. Now, if you're happy with bullies being mad at people, being angry, being full of fear and regret and 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 all this stuff, well, then keep doing what we've been doing. But if you want a higher way, a better way, let's examine what Jesus said. And he told us exactly how it is. We should treat an enemy. And so I want to open in prayer. Then we're going to open up our Bibles here. And we're going to see some things tonight that I believe will change your life if you'll listen to God's word. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, uh, that we have a church to come and worship you in, Lord, that that we we have uh, Bibles, Lord, that we can read that are in our own language, God. There's so many people in this world that don't even have a, a Bible. They would love to have what we have right now. So, Lord, help us not take that for granted. And I pray tonight that as we open our hearts to your word, that you'll speak to each person here, Lord. Build us up. Show us 
how we can do better so we can live the life that you've planned for us, God. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, everybody said amen. So the first thing we're going to look at tonight is Matthew chapter 5. Let's turn to Matthew 5, somebody. Yeah, Matthew 5, verse 44. I'll be in the New King James on this one. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44. And Jesus comes again onto the scene and completely uh, kind of wrecks what their whole thinking process was. And, you know, God's ways aren't always the easiest ways, but they're always the right way. And his way, it, 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 it has no regrets with it. You know, sometimes it would be real easy to just, well, this guy made me mad, so I went out and did this to him. This girl said this, so I said this about her. And that might make you feel better at the moment, but you'll rack up a whole lot of regrets in life that way. And you're going to look back and you're going to see things that, my gosh, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I had handled it God's way. Maybe Jesus really wasn't smarter than me in that situation. You ever found that out that Jesus is actually smarter than you? I've learned that, you know, I'm like, man, he says these things and I'm like, wait, that's not how I would do it. Well, it doesn't matter how I do it stinks, how he does it always turns out good. So Matthew 5, 44, and, and I, I want, as I'm reading this, I want you to think about, I mean, anybody that you struggle with, I don't care if it's somebody in your own household, somebody that you know in town, somebody at work, but Matthew 5, 44, Jesus said to the disciples, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That does not sound like fun at all. I'm just going to be real with you. I don't, I don't want to do a bunch of nice things for people that are mean to me. Yet Jesus said, I'm telling you, take my word for it. He said, I'm telling you right now, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. I don't want to do that. They cursed me. It feels better to curse them back. No, don't think that way. That's, that's what gets you into trouble. Jesus said, bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And so when you look at this verse, Jesus kind of breaks it into four points here that I'm going to break down for you. And this is precisely, if you, if you want victory in your life, if you want to rise to the top instead of being on the bottom, There's four steps right here that will absolutely change your life. This is how you treat an enemy. This is how you treat somebody that's given you a hard time. Number one is this. Number one, love them. Love them. Does that sound like fun? No? Okay. Yeah, I didn't think we'd get a big response on that. But but the first thing that Jesus said right there is, for an enemy, you're to love them. Well... There's our definition of love, and then there's God's definition of love. You know this. This isn't new teaching to you. Jesus didn't say human love them. Jesus literally said, I've looked it up, Jesus said agape them. Well, what is what, what is agape? Agape is unconditional love because the way that God loves people, there's no strings attached. The way that people love people, there are contingencies, there are strings attached, there are conditions you know have you ever uh you know maybe you've you've uh got credit from someone or something like that and you're like oh wow these people really like me then you look at all the conditions if you don't do exactly what we say we will eat you we will come after you we will take your house your children and you're like whoa i thought you were my friend but there's strings attached you only like me if i'm doing exactly what you want me to do 
Well, when you break it down, human love isn't really that pretty of a thing. There's people, I mean, that, that were madly in love yesterday and today they can't stand each other. God's kind of love is never like that. Human love, people love, the way that people love, there's strings attached. I will love you with all of my heart as long as you treat me like a princess forever. As long as you treat me like the king of the castle. As long as you do exactly what I, you cook the way I want, I'll love you forever. There's so many strings attached. But the second you don't do it the way that I want it, forget about it. Now I'm mad. Now you've crossed that line. Now you've gone there. That's not God's kind of love. What if God loved us the way that we love other people? That'd be scary. I mean, good Lord. Or, or you know, what the old saying, what, 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 if, what if God put one of us in charge for five minutes? I, w- I don't want to be in charge. My gosh, man. As I, I feel like I'm a pretty laid-back guy, but it'd be real easy to just hit the nuclear button and say, get him out of here, that guy's a jerk, you know? And, and so, listen, the Lord is rich in love, slow to anger, the Psalms tells us. He's slow to get angry. And I'm thankful that Jesus doesn't love me the way that I've always loved other people. Because human love is not always a pretty thing. We see romance and we see movies and you ladies love the notebook. I know that much. And I'm telling you right now, you know, there's stories like that. And it's like, oh, some some men apparently like it. But I'm not going to point anybody out. Keep your hand down, brother. Keep your hand down. Uh, but at the same time... <laughs> We're not going to put you on blast. This is going on the Internet. People in Pakistan are going to be listening to this tomorrow morning. So, um, but, but you know, we, we get these false ideas of, of what love is. And, and Jesus, man, he showed you what love is right here. He said, love people even when they don't deserve it. Love them even when they haven't been nice to you. Love your wife. Love your husband. Love your children. Love your mom and dad. Love the people at work. Love the people at school, even if they've been a real jerk to you. He said to love your enemies. And naturally speaking, of course, that seems impossible. It's like, yeah, right. That was Jesus. How could he possibly know? Well, first of all, you need to realize that Jesus came to this world and lived as a human being. Okay? You know, and, and the book of Hebrews tells us that he was tempted in every way that we're tempted. And so if you've been tempted to blow up on somebody, Jesus had that temptation. If, if you've been tempted to just absolutely sock somebody, Jesus had that temptation. It says he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. And so you can't sit there and say, well, that was just easy for him. I mean, do you realize the things people did to Jesus? They chased him around with rocks. They threatened to kill him. They came after him and his family and all this. I mean, people were always after Jesus. Yeah, he said, no, friends, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who spitefully use you. Jesus completely flipped the pages. So you may be saying, well, this doesn't even sound possible. Let me show you something in Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Romans 5, verse 5. And I'm going to be in the King James in this one. I'm keeping Heather on her toes tonight. I'm just throwing different translations out there. You get kind of the variety pack tonight. You know, sometimes you get the bag of chips for school and you get the fun pack. Tonight you're getting Fritos, Doritos, Funyuns. You're getting the whole deal, man. Come on. This is good stuff. Romans 5, verse 5 in the King James. And I remember my dad uh, teaching me this verse as a, as a little kid. And it's helped me a lot in my life. Because sometimes we say, I, I can't possibly love that person. There's no way that I could forgive them. No way I could love them. And maybe in your own ability, 
If you're going by your own human lowly standards of love, then yeah, maybe not. But that's not what I'm going by. I'm going by what the Bible says. Romans 5, 5, it says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. I didn't say the love of man, the love of whatever. It said the love of God, the God kind of love, has been shed abroad in our hearts. By who? By the Holy Ghost. Which is given unto us. And so never again say, there's no way I can forgive them. No way I can love them. Yes, you can. And we fully realize that there is some difficult situations in this world. You don't have to be best friends with everybody, but you don't need to hate anybody either. You know what I mean? There's people that I love them. I don't trust them. They've burned me and stabbed me in the back. and I don't trust them, but I don't lay awake. I don't lose sleep over them. I love them. I don't want them to die and go to hell. I don't want to see them, you know, be in a bad situation. I, I mean, I'm not going to put myself out on the line for them right now. I'm not going to make my heart vulnerable to them. But at the same time, there's not a person in this world that I hate. There's not one single person that I could say, I wish they'd die and just go straight to hell. That, that is awful to ever let that come out of your mouth. And I, and, and I even hear people say things, even Christians. You know, one phrase I can't say, it's stupid. I heard someone say it the other day, I hear people say it all the time, there's a special place in hell for people like that. No, there's not. Hell's hell. There's not different layers and tiers of hell. Hell is hell. I mean, the guy that, you know, that that did something super bad and the guy that just rejected Jesus, they're all in hell. There's no special place in hell for somebody. Hell is hell. And it's a bad place. And nobody wants to go there. And as a Christian, you should not ever have a desire for somebody in this world to end up there because you don't realize that people that are in hell, people that were there 200 years ago, they're still there. People that died and went to hell a thousand years ago, they're still there right now and they'll be there a thousand years from right now and a million years from right now. There is no getting out. I don't care if someone popped my car tires, stole my computer, you know, uh, broke up with me, whatever. I mean, fine, bad stuff, but I, I, I don't want somebody to go to hell. And as a Christian, you need to get that revelation that we don't hate anybody. We can, I mean, sometimes we get upset. One time I worked at FedEx in Indianapolis and, uh, there's this lady, she, she was, I mean, she had one foot in the world and one foot out. So she'd come and talk to me about Christian things and then she'd go around to everybody else and, 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 you know, act like the world. And I'm like, well, hey, I love you, but you're going to have to at some point get steady here because it doesn't work that way. You know, we don't need a part-time Christianity. It's a full-time deal if you want the promises of God. So anyway, we were riding on the bus one day because it's a big facility. You have to take a bus to get to your workstation. And and she gets mad at somebody. She had just been talking to me about the Bible. She turns around and tells this lady, go to hell. I'm like, what? (laughs) Why would you say that? And you're going to say that that you love Jesus, but you're going to tell somebody that Jesus created to go to hell? I mean, that's that doesn't compute with my mind. How could that ever, ever come out of the Christian mouth? And so Jesus said, love them. And he said, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And so how am I going to treat an enemy? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to love them, even though they clearly do not deserve it. And the second thing that Jesus said is to bless them. Number two, bless them. Now, 
the word the word Jesus used for love for the enemies is agape, and the word blessed that he used here, not to get too nerdy on you, is a Greek word called eulogio, and this word literally means speak well of. So Jesus right here, he says, agape, unconditionally love your enemies. They don't deserve it. Love them anyway. And then he says, speak well of those who curse you. Now, that that doesn't make a lot of sense to me where he said, "Okay, somebody said something mean about me. But Jesus says, I'm telling you to turn around and say something nice about them. Bless those who curse you. Cursing somebody means saying something bad about them, saying something evil and mean. And Jesus says, speak well of those who curse you. Now, can you imagine what it would do at your job or or in your household or wherever you are? Somebody chews you out and says something super mean and you turn around and be like, man, I love you. You know what? I love you. And and I just want to tell you, you're one of the best workers at this place. Or I really like the way that you do this. Or, man, you've got a great smile. Anybody ever told you that? Can you imagine somebody just yelled at you and you're like, my gosh, you've got nice eyes. Anybody ever told you do you realize what that would do to them? That would absolutely, and of course you're not ever going to feel like doing that. But I can tell you that when you bless those who curse you, it, it does. It ends up feeling really, really good. And it will absolutely play mind games with somebody and make them think about what they're doing to you. And so Jesus right here, he said, speak well of those who curse you. Fight words with words. You know, sometimes someone yells at us and, and, and we either yell something mean back or we just get quiet. No, uh, say something nice about him. I'm telling you, it sounds crazy. It sounds off. It sounds like you're off your rocker. But Jesus said to do that, to bless those who curse you. I remember I had this another job I had. I was in the glorious uh, fast food industry for. Yeah, it was awesome. And so I uh, right after. I, but Katie and I, we got engaged at 18, and I had a decent little job at this lumber place. Anyway, to make a long story short, uh, I, I, I had to walk away from that job for some various reasons. And so, three weeks before we were to get married, her dad's only requirement for, I asked if I could have his daughter's hand in marriage. And I'm looking back now, I'm like, some little 18 year old twerp asked to marry my daughter, I'm gonna thump him, like, get out of here, no. But anyway, her dad's like, yeah, you can, you can marry her as long as you have a good, steady job. And, and so I had one, then I lost it. And so three weeks before the wedding, I'm unemployed Floyd, and I'm getting ready to get married to this beautiful girl, and, and, and me and her dad are like best friends, but I will say, He's a he, he's a man from Indiana. He's got a lot of guns and a lot of weapons, and I don't want to cross him. So, so here I am, no job, and we're getting ready to get married. And so I'm driving down the road, and I in Indiana, and I see Hardee's is hiring, and Hardee's is the Midwest equivalent of Carl's Jr. And so you know, I've I've heard it said, you know, some pe- a lot of people are like, well, that's beneath me. I would never do that. Well, listen, Jack. One dollar an hour is better than zero dollars an hour. And so you take what you can get. You don't always, I mean, I was 18. You're not going to start out as a CEO sometimes. Sometimes you got to start cleaning the toilets. You got to start sweeping the floors. And so that's where I started right there. And I remember though, one thing I noticed at this job that I've noticed in every other position I've, I've been in in life, I mean, I've been full-time in ministry for 12 years, but other jobs I've worked, and uh, and from what you guys tell me, there was a lot of gossiping that went on at my job, especially 
the day shift despised the night shift people. And I'm like, okay, we're all living in the same town. We're all the same status of life. I mean, we're really not that different except you clock in at p.m. and I clock in at a.m., but for that reason, we hate each other. And so, hey, just gossip and backstab, and, and all the time, you know, you'd come in, on oh, those lazy night shift people, they couldn't even clean this up, blah, 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 blah. And then, and then, you know, the night shift comes in, oh, great, let's see what the day shift left for us today. Oh, my gosh. And it was just, I'm like, what's the deal? And, and, and so there's tons of gossip and, and just, every, you, I mean, if you were in the room, you could just count on, they were probably talking about you. You were, you know, you were the one being roasted at that moment. And so after a while, I don't know how, but I, I found that, that I was just part of the rumor mill. I just, I joined in with them. I'm ashamed to say it, but I joined in with them. I was just as bad as everybody else. You know, you are right. They, those night shift people, they are lazy. They come in and they, they don't do anything at all. They, and, and, and then, you know what? She is the worst manager. I wouldn't, I, never, I can't stand it when she's on the schedule. And, and I was joining in with them. And then I got the revelation one day, uh, that's a sin. I mean, that, I know that's super deep, isn't it? It's a sin to gossip. And gossiping will get you in a whole lot of trouble. In fact, the book of Proverbs says that there's seven things the Lord hates, and one of them is somebody that gossips. And I was like, oh, man, I don't want God to hate me. That's kind of stink. So I come into work the next day and all, you know, these girls come up and they're like, oh, did you hear the latest? Did you hear? And I'm like, you know what? I didn't and I don't want to. What? No, I, you know what, ladies, I, I've decided because I was the only dude that worked back there. So I, I was like, ladies, I, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about people anymore. I, gossiping is wrong and that's what we're doing and it's a sin i mean and they they you would think i would have insulted their mother or something they were insulted that i didn't want to insult people anymore and i'm like what the heck and so they were going and, and i'm like no seriously i i don't want to do it anymore and i and and so you all can talk about it but i'm not i'm not doing i'm not going down that path anymore i refuse to gossip and i made that decision well you know of course i didn't make people happy but i'm telling you is it making your life any better by joining in the gossip circle and the rumor mill? I mean, does that just bring the joy of the Lord to your heart and give you the peace of God that surpasses all understanding? No, it does not. And in fact, even if the night shift is that bad, even if those day shift people are so stuck up, bless those who curse you. Love your enemies. Proverbs 21 and verse 23. Could we go there, please? Proverbs 21. Now I'm back to the NLT. Proverbs 21 and verse 23. And so the Bible does have a lot to say about our words and our mouths. Has anybody noticed that? Especially the book of Proverbs. It, it deals with our words plenty. Proverbs 21 verse 23. And it tells us this. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut. Well, that doesn't sound very friendly. What, what happened to you? Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you'll stay out of trouble. That's a good word right there. I mean, that's not that deep. But I found that when I can watch my mouth and keep my mouth shut, I don't get in that much trouble. And, you know, usually people that aren't, that aren't in the middle of all that, people that can keep their mouth shut, those are people that aren't getting in tons of trouble. And to take it a step further, we're talking about blessing those who curse you. 
I want you to go to the New Testament, James chapter 3. Who wants to see what Jesus' brother has to say? Thanks, Melinda. Heather, all right, anyone else? James chapter 3. James, I'll get, I, I can tell the excitement's building. It's getting there, okay? We're getting there. James chapter 3. And as you do know that James is Jesus' half-brother, and so is Jude. Jesus had several brothers and sisters, and James is one of them. Now, one thing I notice that James has in common with his older brother, Jesus, Jesus was the oldest. You can do that math and figure that out pretty easily. But one thing they have in common is this, is that they both dealt very harshly with your words. Jesus had some super hardcore things to say about words. Jesus said that if you curse somebody, you're in danger of the fires of hell. He said that you'll have to give an account on judgment day for every idle word you've spoken. Isn't that kind of a scary thought that the words that we speak in this life, at some point in time, you're going to have to try to explain those to Jesus can you imagine standing up there on Judgment Day and, and you're in front of Jesus? And, and I, you know, I've said this, but I always envision he's got a big, like, flat screen TV. And he's going to replay scenes from your life. And he's going to come to some moment when maybe we spoke some things we shouldn't have said. And he's like, could you explain this to me right here? What, what are you going to explain? Man, that guy made me really mad, so I, I, I cussed him out. That's exactly what happened. You think Jesus is going to say, oh, okay, I get it now. Cool, cool. Because I was just wondering, but but that makes sense. I'm glad. No, he's not. We will give an account for every idle word we have spoken in the day of judgment. And so Jesus dealt very, very harshly and, and, and not harshly, but very seriously with the words that we speak. And I find it interesting that James did also. And so James chapter 3, I'm not going to read the whole chapter is all about your words, but I'm going to pick up in verse 7, James 3 verse 7 in the NLT. It says, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Whoa. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Now think about what he just said there. Isn't that ironic that with this same mouth, we could have been in church tonight singing praises to God? Your name is a strong and mighty tower. And then we go out to the parking lot and your children make you angry. You little... Your wife says something, I told you, or your, you know, whatever the case is, the same mouth that just praised God is now cursing people who are made in the image of God. James said, wait a minute, so blessing and cursing are coming out of the same mouth? Surely, brothers and sisters, that ain't right. That is not right. And so for us as Christians, we have a massive responsibility to control our mouths and our words. And Jesus said, when somebody curses you, you bless them. You speak something well about them. That goes against everything that's within us. But I guarantee you, when you get to the place of maturity that you can begin to do that, that will absolutely change your life. So how am I going to treat an enemy? I'm going to love them. 
I'm going to bless them. And the third thing that Jesus said in Matthew 5:44 is to do good to them. Do good to them. And Brother Hagen told a story about this lady that she was a pastor in a town. And uh, there was another pastor in that same town who didn't like her. He, he was spreading rumors, saying mean things, putting down on her and all this stuff. And just giving her a really hard time. And so this lady pastor, she was a, uh, I believe a graduate of Rhema where Katie and I went in. And so she was taught very strongly on love and forgiveness. And so you know what she did for that pastor that said all these mean things? She got up on a Sunday morning and took up a love offering from her church and sent it over to his church. Do good to them who spitefully use you. She did really good. She took the offering from her church and took it over to him and said, just want you to know, we love you. We are praying for you. We've got a gift for you. You're doing a great job. Keep up the good work. What do you, I mean, you realize what that, that guy felt awful. He was like, oh my gosh, I've been so wrong. He apologized. He made amends. He did everything he could to fix that relationship. Amen? Rightfully so. What would it do in your life, somebody that's just been giving you a hard time, you show up at their doorstep, me and the kids bake some cookies for you. We're praying for you. Hey, we love you. God bless. What would that do for somebody? If you were to do good, doing good is, I mean, that's an action statement. That's not a, uh, you know, from the back of the room. That, 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 that's taking action and actually doing something. I've also shared the story of Smith Wigglesworth. Now, he's got a funny name, but he's one of the most powerful preachers of all time. Smith Wigglesworth was a, a preacher in England. And, uh, and I mean, God used him in a mighty way. He's, documented as raising over 20 different people from the dead on separate occasions documented not made up not hearsay like it's documented fact that this happened and so powerful man of god but before he became a christian he treated his wife awful she was a christian and she would go to church and so one night she was going out to the evening service this was i mean way back in the early part of the last century and he's like you're not going to that church anymore i've had it you're always over there. You're always holier than thou going down to that church. I forbid it. You're never going there again. If you leave, you ain't getting back in the house. And she's like, I love you. I treat you good. I take care of the kids and I submit to you, but I will not skip going to church. That's the one thing that you can't take from me. And so she went to church, came back. The door was locked. We're talking about in London and cold. That's not, I mean, she gets back there, and he's locked her out. So she curls up and sleeps on the porch. The next day, he opens the door, and she falls into the doorstep. She wakes up, brushes her hair, and says, okay, what would you like for breakfast? I was going to make you some bacon and eggs this morning, honey. I'm so glad to see you. Would you like some coffee? And it, it just tore him apart. He locked her out. She slept on the doorstep. And the first thing she said was, how could you do that? She didn't say that. She said, what do you want for breakfast, honey? Anything you want, I'll make it for you. Like, whoa. Well, because of that woman's love, this guy got saved. And not exaggerating, helped change the world. Helped change the world. 
What if she had retaliated like we want to? What if she had said, you're so, you're a jerk, you're, I can't believe you. What if she had repaid evil with evil? What if she had, instead of blessing the one that cursed her, what if she, what if she cursed the one who cursed her? What if she did what everybody else did? That guy never would have got saved. He would have said, yeah, see, you're just like everybody else. There's nothing different between you and everybody else. But she loved somebody that absolutely treated her terrible and it ended up paying off. Proverbs 25. Let's look there. Proverbs 25. Is anybody learning anything tonight? Maybe you're, I don't know if you're learning, but maybe it's a good review. Either way, we need to hear this stuff. We need to do good to them that use us in the wrong way. Proverbs 25. And we're going to look at verses 21 through 22. Now, if you really want to, you know, kind of get somebody back, here's the way to get somebody back. Proverbs 25. Verses 21 and 22. It says this. If your enemies are hungry, give them food to eat. This isn't talking about your BFFs. I didn't say that. It said, if your enemies are hungry, give them food to eat. If they are thirsty, give them water to drink. Well, why? You will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. All right. Yeah. Burning coals of shame. That's the best. And the Lord will reward you. And so it tells us right there, you know, hey, well, it's not that you want to literally heap burning coals on somebody's head. But at the same time, when someone's absolutely been nothing but terrible to you and you turn around and treat them great, the shame that they will feel. I mean, that you get them back like that. And, and, um, and you're like, well, I don't know if that stuff works. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Jesus said to do it. The book of Proverbs said to do it. It can't be wrong. It will shame them. Has anybody ever done something? Someone's treated you awful, but you turn around and did something good. Someone's talked about you. A few months ago, I was in line at my favorite local grocery store, which will remain nameless. So I was over there, and uh, and I'm in line, and I'm just going to get real, okay? Just super real right now, super real. I was the only white guy in the store, which is fine, but the people behind me were of different color, and very intentionally, they were saying some very... Uh, I would say racist and mean things towards people of my complexion. And so, I, and in fact, I, I, it wouldn't make me mad. It was kind of funny what they were saying. I was kind of laughing. But at the same time, they were very intentionally doing it so I would hear it. And it was very intentionally meant to intimidate. And so I get up to the line and, and I'm paying for mine and the cashier says, anything else? I'm like, no, I'm buying all their groceries too. And so I had the cashier ring up all of their groceries and I took my and I paid for all their grocery. The look on their faces was so worth it. It was awesome. They were, you know, and I'm not mad. At, it was it was a funny experience. I didn't I didn't take anything about it at all. But but they were like, God bless you, sir. Oh, sir, how nice of you. Thank you, sir. What a, you're such such a kind man, sir. And I'm like, <laughs> it felt great. It felt awesome, man. And I, I'm not mad at them. I, just, I mean, it was, it's kind of funny. But at the same time, you know, they were intentionally saying some things that I don't know if they thought they'd get a reaction out of me or what. But it was funny. And to turn around and bless them and do good to somebody that was just doing something kind of mean to you, it felt awesome. And it turned the situation around. Now, what if I had said, man, that's crazy. Or, or what are you talking about? And, and if I had responded in that way... I. Would that have helped anything at all? No, not at all. But 
responding in the way that 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 Jesus said to respond it works every time and I pray to God that that sowed some seeds into their heart and that sowed some seeds for them to think about and say you know what man wow God you know God's speaking to them in the name of Jesus but anyway so Jesus said to do good to them and uh well, just just I'm quoting it. You don't have to turn there. But Romans twelve twenty one says to overcome evil with good. Romans twelve twenty one. You overcome evil with good. You don't overcome evil with even more evil. You don't. You know. Oh, they were evil, so I'll just double that evil, then I'll win, and then boom, there you go. No, it says overcome evil with good. And so the fourth thing that Jesus told us to do for an enemy is pray for them. Number four. Pray for them. You love them. You bless them. You do good to them. And then you pray for them. That's love right there. You know, think about Jesus and his situation. He was a, a well, actually, let, let's, let me show you Acts chapter 7. Let's flip there real quick. Acts chapter 7 and verse 60. Acts chapter 7 is a very long chapter. But I want to look at one of the last verses there. Verse 60, Acts chapter 7 and verse 60. And here we have the story of Stephen. Now, Stephen was an awesome man, awesome man. Uh, God was using him. He was being raised up within the church there. And anyway, stuff happened. The Jews got mad at him, and they decided, hey, we better kill this guy. And so they're, they're, getting, they're stoning him. And I mean, there's a lot of ways that I wouldn't want to die, but Dying by having rocks thrown at me has to be a very painful process. And so they're just, they're hurling these rocks at him because he's, he's a, a, a Christian. So Acts chapter 7 and verse 60, I'm in the NLT here, Acts chapter 7 and verse, well, verse 59, verse 59. It says, as they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. His dying breath, his dying words were, Lord, please forgive these guys that are killing me. Don't, don't hold it against them, God. Give them another chance, Lord. Give them a chance to get things right. God, please forgive. Can you imagine that? So we're saying, there's no way I could, I could pray for my enemies. I think if Stephen could do it, you could do it. And who else prayed for enemies at the end of their life? Jesus Christ himself. And so flip over to Luke chapter 23. Let's see how Jesus handled his enemies. Luke 23. And I'm telling you right now, if you will pray for those, genuinely pray, not, you know, some fake thing. I'm talking about really pray for those who have been an enemy to you, your whole outlook will begin to change. You'll start seeing a person that God created. You'll start seeing a, a, a person that, that God loves. You know, C.S. Lewis said, stop worrying about whether you love your neighbor or not. Just act like you do. When you do that, you'll find that you actually do begin to start to love them. And so, well, I don't, I don't feel any love for them. I don't, it doesn't matter if you feel it. At least start acting like it. And watch how your actions will start to change your feelings. 
But Luke 23, and here's something that, that Jesus, <laughs> in his moment, when he had been beaten and, and stripped and, I mean, just the worst pain a human being could go through. Luke 23, verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And then the soldiers gamble for his clothing by throwing dice. I mean, there's Jesus right there. In that moment, he says, Father, forgive them. Well, this tells me that Jesus isn't going to ask me to do something that he's not willing to do. He's not going to ask me to pray for my enemies if he's not willing to. And Jesus proved it right there. He prayed for the people that were murdering him. And I'm just looking at my life. I'm looking at at your life. And I'm like, man, no one's done that to me. I mean, I've had people do things I didn't really like, but I've never had that extent of persecution or, or hatred. And so Jesus told us that if, if we've got an enemy, love them, bless them, do good to them, pray for them. And I can guarantee you right now, this will change your life. I guarantee you, you start handling your business this way. And get over that, well, I better get them back. They're going to think they can just walk all over them. Let them think it. I don't care. Let them think it. Who cares? But you need to get to the place that Jesus was at right here. And when we reach this level of maturity, this is a very mature Christian level right here. I mean, this is how you can tell you've grown when you start to do any of these four things for somebody that's given you a hard time. Love them. Bless them. Do good. Pray for them. When you start getting to that area, man, just watch what God can start doing in your life. I'll bet there's blessings God's been trying to get to you for years, but you weren't ready. You couldn't handle it yet because you're still angry at something somebody did in 1995. You're still angry that somebody did something back. You know, you're still harboring all this stuff and God's like, I can't get it to her. She can't handle it right now. Listen, the doors that will open when you get a hold of this, the, the blessings that could come to you, the things that could finally take place in your life if you could love bless do good pray not to your best friends that's fine but to the people that have done you wrong jesus isn't lying it's the truth get to this place and god will absolutely change your life amen let's go ahead and stand up thank you for listening to this podcast for more information visit hdwc.org